Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 33. That's a place of fitness, coaching, and nutrition where we help people look better, live better, and feel better, and we help them get their minds right, their bodies right, and their spirit right. Today, I got someone that's going to help us do that for you. He is a friend. He is a fellow masterminder. In fact, he's not just a masterminder. He's a coach of the masterminders, right? So, I mean, he's that status, okay? As well, he's a presenter in the industry. He is the co-creator of Spartan Deca. That's where he's spending most of his time these days. Uh, I can't wait for him to tell you all about this Deca branch of Spartan. It's just so cool how they're changing lives, and he's part of that big vision to get Oh, I think it's like 100 million people off the couch. So that's just fantastic. So Jared Cogswell, welcome to the show. All right. Hey, guys, thank you for having me. This is an honor. I made the cut somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, made the cut. Uh, You're a busy guy. We tried to connect a few times on this. I'm so glad. You know, thank you for uh, sharing your time with us today. Um, But let's get right into it. I mean, you have done so much in the industry. I've enjoyed watching you present. And, you know, reading the things that you've wrote for the industry and you've been a business consultant to uh, multiple businesses and you're a coach in the mastermind. Uh, Let's just get a little history here. What brought you into fitness? You know, it honestly, uh, it happened a long time ago. You know, this is it's it's almost embarrassing to say, guys, but I I started in this business when I was 18 years old and I never thought it was going to be actually a career because I loved, loved it so much, you know? And uh, so here we are 32 plus years later and I'm, I'm still in the game somehow. And, um, but, you know, in all honesty, you know, I, I loved fitness myself. I, I had an uncle um, that was uh, just a fitness fanatic and he would drag me to the gym and uh, that's where I really fell in love with with fitness, lifting weights. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess back then when you're a high school kid, it was like one way to get better at sports, but it was another way to meet uh, girls. And uh, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but but I, um, you know, I, I started out, I, I worked at a, at a club and, and I worked a front desk and uh, eventually I became one of the youngest certified personal trainers in the country at the time. I was 19. I got my A certification and I was really just proud of it. And I, you know, I, I was a young guy. I'd get up early mornings, uh, work my shifts, work with clients. And I never really, like I said, envisioned that this was going to be my career because I loved it so much. Um, but I just continue to kind of climb through the ranks, uh, in addition to the training, you know, I got some management opportunities early on and, um, and then, um, you know, after college, I, I landed a position with, uh, leisure sports as their wellness director. 
um, at their uh, club sport branded facility in Pleasanton, California. And then soon after that, I was offered a, a general manager position uh, in, in Mammoth Lakes, California. And what I loved about Mammoth was I was a snowboarder and I could go, you know, climb mountains, snowboard down mountains and be the general manager of an athletic club. So that really kind of helped me or propel me for the next step. And I went back to work for, for club sport uh, up in Oregon. Uh, and I managed a, a large fitness resort for 14 years. So it was um, 140,000 square feet. We had 17,000 members, 350 employees. And it was, it was really um, a, a special era in my career. And, um, you know, and then one thing leads to another, you go, you know, build your own gym and you get in a, you get in an interesting partnership relationship, uh, issue. And, and next thing you know, you're just continue to carry on because you have to, you have to believe in the power of networking. Right. So you get these opportunities that you don't even see coming. So, uh, then I got invited to, uh, participate as a coach for alpha warrior and work with uh, the U.S. Army. Um, I met a I met a Yancey Culp there, the other co-creator of DECA. We didn't know what you know, even the type of friendship we were going to have, um, you know, that sprouted from that experience uh, with Alpha Warrior. Now and, that Alpha uh, here, Warrior, that was uh, that was uh, was that a TV TV produced or uh, was that? Yeah, just- it was on a, a it, it was a military channel. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, working with the military. Uh, Yancey and I always referred to them as our, our country's most important athletes. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was really a, a special experience because not only are you helping these young people physically, but also building upon their, their mental and their emotional skills as well. And um, it, it was really one of the most special moments of my career is, is working with them. And uh, it was televised. Um, we had we had six different teams. They were all um, from different regions of the world. I had a team from uh, the the Airborne uh, from uh, Vicenza, Italy. And um, you know, thankfully, we were uh, we were able to be crowned the champions uh, that year. We Yancey and I shared a sixteen foot RV um out at fort bragg like we didn't know each other and for 16 days we're in this 16 footer together and i'll tell you what it it was like every single day even though we were competing we were lighting one another up right oh, yeah and yeah. um kind of but his team That's his crazy. team and i we were battling for first and second the whole time and uh we got we got them at the end yeah. So uh, that's so cool. That is so cool. And then later, uh, I think what you're where you were about to take us, where that relationship led you. Well, you know, I've, I've done a lot of business coaching. I was down in Delray Beach, Florida, working with the Slash Fitness guys. And uh, Yancey called me from Boston. <clears throat> he was he's had a long time relationship with Joe DeSena, um, who I who I know has been a, a guest on the show now as as well. And so is yeah. Slash Fitness. Slash Fitness has also been on the show. So oh, we're good. Okay, well, it's all coming show. together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Yancey called me. It was a Saturday night, and admittedly, guys, I was probably on my second or third cocktail. And <laughs> uh, and Yancey says, hey, Joe DeSena wants you to fly up here tomorrow. I said, well, I'm, I'm in Florida. He goes, I, I think you need to get up here. 
So I got up there and, and Joe explains, you know, why we're there. And he says, listen, we, we are on this mission to impact hundred million lives through fitness. Uh, we've convinced 10 million to get out in the, the mud, the barbed wire and all of the elements. Um, but we've got to, we've got to go further and uh, we want to engage with the fitness industry. So we got to come up with something. And originally what we came up with was uh, what we call DECA fit, you know, DECA meaning 10 in Greek. And we came up with this 10 zone concept and it, it was really an event uh, exclusively. And we wanted it to be for all levels of fitness. We wanted to minimize the intimidation factor and, it being all about competing against other people. It was more about competing with yourself, being the best version of yourself. And we chose a 5K running distance where you run 500 meters in between each zone. And the reason why we chose a 5K is because, you know, that's that seems to attract um, the, the most um, levels of, of fitness. You know, you see people walking, running, jogging, you know, some of them even sprinting the, the 5K distance. And we said, well, we're going we're gonna to make it like that, but we're going to sprinkle in some, some boot camp movements and some, you know, things that we've been doing in hit classes and, and make it fun. Um, and, uh, you know, what happened there is, is Yancey and I spent three months actually here in Denver, Colorado, and just shaking hands with the fitness community. And, you know, before we knew it, our brand wasn't even 90 days old and we had 1,200 people coming to uh, compete at the Denver Broncos Training Center. And uh, unfortunately, the pandemic hit and canceled our event. But, you know, what we didn't know at the time is we were testing all these different ways to, to implement DECA, even inside of the gyms. And we came up with uh, DECA Strong, which involved all 10 zones and no running. And then uh, we also came up with the DECA Mile, which was just a shorter distance, 160 meters of running uh, in between each zone. And we said, let's, let's go test this down in Florida because they were on a different planet during the pandemic, right? Right. So we went into about 14 gyms uh, in a two-week period, and we offered these DECA Strong and DECA Mile events for free. And people just loved them. And we were excited about it. And we knew that we weren't going to be able to host a large DECA fit event, which we call our Super Bowl of Fitness and a big convention center and, you know, so many restrictions, especially during that time. And we we're like, hey, wait a minute, the gyms that open up, they're going to be able to host their own events. So let's come up with, with an affiliate program. But it, it's genuinely focused on supporting them um, because these are the people that are going to show up at our big events. So let's create events for them that you know, we think is going to position them as, as the fitness leaders within their market. Yeah. And uh, man, it has been like, it's just been a wild ride. And, and you guys have been a part of that ride and we've hosted over 300 events um, in, the, in the last year and a half, which, which is crazy to think about. And it's just, it's, it's grown so fast, um, even sometimes beyond our own capabilities. Cause we're still, you know, even though we're part of a larger organization, we have a small team with DECA. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, what you all have created. Um, it, the pandemic was a very emotional. Uh, I, I do get emotional about it. Um, you know, cause they, they tried, uh, you know, we love to do fitness. Uh, we love to change lives through fitness. And they said, Hey, you can't go to work. 
And then uh, when we could come back, it wasn't business as normal. You know, there were masks and gloves and uh, we weren't supposed to touch each other. And we were used to hugs and high fives. And, and one thing that we were very used to as a company was on almost a monthly basis, taking our members to a different event, a 5K, an obstacle course. But as you know, uh, many of those events still continue to be canceled. Uh, but, you know, they're coming back now, thankfully. But, uh, you know, we've been going through this now for over two years. And uh, DECA meant that we could start hosting our own events. We didn't have to wait for the events to come back on. And our people could feel so proud uh, once again. And we could be at their side once again, because that's what we do. We, we, we don't go to the 5Ks with them to see if we can outrun them. We go there to uh, be the coach at their side that's taking the photo and uh, just having those special moments. So, uh, yeah, thank you for what you've created. All of our franchises are proud affiliates and uh, it's great. Yeah, it's well, great. I appreciate that, Travis, because, you know, we honestly and I'm, I'm saying this uh, with with nothing but truth and honesty, but we wouldn't be here without the gyms, yeah. you know, especially when you launch a, a global fitness brand during a pandemic. I mean, come on, how, how are you going to make that work? And the cool thing about, it, I remember Joe calling me, we were about three days into to the lockdown. And uh, I thought, you know, he, he's going to cut us off, right? You know, because we're, we're not able to produce any money. And um, he said, what do we, he said, I can't believe what you guys did in Denver, you know? And he's like, what do we need to do to push this forward because we don't know when we're going to come out of this. And I said, okay, well, Yancey and I are working on a couple of things. And, uh, but the biggest thing was engagement, you know? So for gosh, a good 60 days there doesn't sound very long, but man, it was always about how do we ed keep educating the fitness audience out there. And we created these zoom channels through Spartan and we had this 24 hour thing going across the, the Spartan network, but it was all for us. It was about engaging with people like you and having guest speakers come on and, and helping the fitness community and the community of fitness operators get through that lockdown period. And, and it paid off. It, it paid off. And then when we were able to actually get outdoors and do something, um, then that's when the affiliate program was born. And, and again, if we didn't have, the hardworking, uh, passionate fitness professionals uh, step up and say, hey, we like this. Um, you know, you and I are probably not having this conversation right now. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been great to partner with uh, Spartan and DECA and uh, just, you know, I, you're part of a mission to get a hundred million people off the couch. You know, we're glad to make a small contribution to that. So it's awesome. Uh, let me ask you, you know, we, we've talked about some pretty important milestones. Uh, I mean, you're a co-creator of DECA. You're a key player in the Spartan organization. Um, you're uh, a Todd Durkin mastermind coach. We, we mentioned a lot of the different fitness accomplishments and places that you've led. How has adversity shaped your life? Well, um, you know, I, I think we can look back at a lot of different examples of adversity and adversity, I think, is defined differently for everybody based on their experiences. Um, you know, I, I could think back to, you know, divorce. Divorce is uh, a challenge in life, a big uh, thing to overcome. Um, you know, uh, lost friends. Um, you know, I've been a, a climber for the last 30 years uh, myself and have lost some, some, you know, in a four year period, lost 
three of my my best friends. Um, and, you know, I've uh, been in a situation where I've had all this success in the fitness business, but I've also had failure. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I was a gym owner. I was I was a proud gym owner. And unfortunately, we didn't we didn't make it work, you know, is the bottom line. And, and that's something that sticks with me. Um, and, you know, that that list can go on and on. Right. You, you know, but I think we all have to count our wins. Uh, too, because usually that list, if we look objectively, objectively at ourselves, um, we need to remind ourselves of those wins because that gives us the confidence to keep pushing forward. I think it, even as a climber, for example, I use a lot of climbing analogies in my head. I tell people, keep climbing no matter what, right? Sure. And I've been in situations where I've almost died up on the top of Mount Hood, for example. I think what it does is it 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 helps you understand who you are on the inside you know what you when you are in these moments of desperation like when you don't know that you're going to actually get out of there alive in a in a life or de death situation you find what and we did a podcast about this a couple of weeks ago yancy and i but you find that inner animal within you you know um and i did a lot of talks after that that incident uh, on Mount Hood and and I ha would have people come up and say, oh my gosh, that that's amazing that you came out of that alive. I don't think I could have done that. And I've told every single person this. I said, yeah, you would have. Yeah. You know, you just don't know until you have to dig that deep. And Travis, obviously, man, uh, your story, you you know that there's something, there's a, there's a higher power there's there's a there's a different spirit that lives in inside of you that you don't always get to see but those all of those failures are the things that actually sharpen us up make us stronger um you know make us you know quote more bulletproof you know yeah. and and so you know there could be a challenge that happens today the next one's going to happen tomorrow but you got to you got to like just look back at your experiences and you know when you when you're in those tough moments, you handle them differently. You yeah. know, I've been in I've been in snowstorms since that epic on Mount Hood way back when. And you know what? You just approach it differently. Like, hey, we, we got this. We just have to trust ourselves. Yeah, I, I read a quote one day. It said, "What if your past is built muscles instead of scars?" And and I believe that that's what we're talking about right mm -hmm. here. Uh, I got to ask this for us and our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened on Mount Hood? Yeah, you know, I, I think again, um, you know, when I when I approached that, I, I was I was younger. I was definitely more aggressive. Um, you know, I knew, uh, you know, we were going to be climbing a, a route on the west face of Mount Hood, and and if you've ever been to Mount Hood, it's a beautiful mountain, and it's got all these different um, perspectives of it. And climbing, uh, we were climbing a route called the the Reed Head Wall. And uh, unfortunately, we um, we got off route and um, weather came in and we thought from the weather forecast, it looked like a little bit of weather was going to come in and um, a lot of weather came in, like to the point of where we couldn't see one another, even though we were roped up to each other. And we got to that point where it, it was snowing so, so hard, you, you kind of get to this point of no return or no way to retreat and repel back down the mountain. So our only option at that time, we were so high up, was to climb to the summit of the mountain and find the easier way down, which is on the south side of the mountain. 
And so, you know, we left, I remember leaving for that climb at 4 a.m. on, um, on uh, a Saturday, I think it was. And now it's, you know, it's dead of winter. Uh, it's, it's January and um, the winds howling. They said it was uh, 50 mile an hour winds with a uh, negative 40 degree wind chill. And um, we, the only way we could communicate was by pulling on the rope, you know, and I don't remember what the, the counts were, but one tug meant this, two tugs meant this, because you just couldn't communicate uh, verbally. It was, it was just, it was just uh, a crazy storm. So, um, gosh, um, water bottles are frozen. We didn't have a stove. We made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I think what the, the mountains teach you, uh, number one lesson of the mountains is, is humility, you know, and, you know, I, I used to honestly, like, you know, like, come, come on, let's go climb this mountain. And when you go through an experience like this, um, it changes your approach and you become more humble and, and you become, you even get more prepared, you know, from the lessons learned. But eventually what happened is we made it to the top. It was dark. Um, it was like, I don't know, six or 7 PM at night. Um, we couldn't find the exit because we just couldn't see. I mean, I couldn't see literally four feet in front of me. And, um, and so I remember telling the guys like, Hey, we have to dig a hole and, and nobody wanted to dig a hole, but you know, we knew, we knew that was the only option to stay safe. So we dug a, a small snow cave. Um, you know, we're in there, uh, for quite a bit of time. We were in there overnight. Um, we did have cell phones. We were able to make contact, uh, with the local sheriff and let them know, Hey, we're okay. We just want you to let our families know. And they're like, guys, uh, you know, you guys can't leave there. This storm's bad. You know, it wasn't what they forecasted. And so the worst part, you know, the, the thing that I remember the most that night was uh, one, of our, one of our climbing partners in the cave said, hey, guys, uh, hold off a second. Like, just want you to stay calm here when I say this. But um, the hole has filled in. Okay. So we're going to have to be very strategic. It was a tight, it was tight quarters. We're going to have to be really um, strategic about how we, you know, get out of this. Okay. Somebody's got to punch through the hole. And I was, I was in a position, I was the only one that could really do that. So I was donkey kicking and trying to kick open that hole so that we could breathe again. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was a chance that we were going to suffocate uh, in that cave and, and, you know, when you're in those situations where it's so cold, you can't even sleep. Your body's trying to protect itself and you're shivering. And when you're that, when you're in that kind of uh, hostile environment, um, man, it hurts when you shiver like that. Like you're, you can feel your bones, you can feel your muscles. And eventually we just said, um, you know, we made contact with Mountain Rescue and two of our guys were actually on Mountain Rescue. Uh, this was before I joined the team. And, um, they said, guys, you got to stay put. And, and we just knew that we couldn't, we just like, if we stay another night in this cave, somebody's going to die. And so eventually we, we made that, that time, um, we, we made it like, if they're not here by noon, we, we got to find our way out. And so, um, noon happened. I, I got out of the cave, started trying to dig out our gear that was buried and um, that that first uh, hasty team, we call it uh, on the mountain rescue team. And it was actually a good friend of mine that I'd climbed with before um, 
we spotted one another and uh, eventually we came down, but it, it was actually one of those rescues when I joined the team that they debated about because it was so dangerous for the rescue team. And, um, you know, somebody was caught in an avalanche, um, you know, trying to get up to us and so forth. But it, it was an emotional experience um, for quite some time. And I really felt selfish um, as a father, as a husband, and learned a lot from it. And I, you know, I didn't stop climbing, but definitely took a different approach from that. But it's, it's those kinds of moments that translate to life, right? right. And, um, you know, so, so mountain climbing has always been an analogy uh, for me that I've used to, to keep me going. Even when, the, when times are rough and it doesn't feel like, that, you know, things are going your way and you're not winning most days, um, you look back and say, well, you know what? You eventually get to see the view if you just keep climbing, yeah. you know? And, um, well, and, it, and it's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place to share with other people too when, we, when we're all doing it together. Yeah. If you want to see the view from the top, keep climbing, right? You know, that's, that's, that's right. You are truly a mountain climber, uh, you know, not only, you know, uh, obviously in life, but metaphorically, uh, the way that you approach business and everything else, you know, it's just, uh, that's awesome. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a little topic change, but similar to how you tell people to keep climbing. Uh, there's been a philosophy that's uh, been uh, uh, one of your main themes a lot that I've witnessed, and um, uh, it's the 212. Now, there's probably a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of listeners that may not know about that, but uh, uh you know, what does that mean to you? And, you know, I, I've heard you coach people on it. And if you could just tell our audience a little bit about that. Well, you, you know, our, our good friend and mentor, Todd Durkin, you know, he, I, I, Todd introduced me to a lot of different philosophies and thinking. And so I want to make sure I give him the credit for it because he's had an impact on my life. I know he's had an impact on yours as, as well. And, um, and, and just the, the fitness community in general, but I, I found Todd, you know, to be somebody that not just motivated me and inspired me, but just led me down diff different paths. And the, the 212 concept, you know, if, if your audience doesn't know it already, at 211 degrees, you know, water is hot. And um, at 212 degrees, water boils. And, you know, with boiling water, that produces enough power, it produces steam and steam produces enough power to move a locomotive and it only takes one degree. So I, I've always believed in that concept, especially since I heard it, like if I can just give this one degree more, something big could happen, right? Just one degree. And so this is, this is more than just getting off the couch. You know, this is about like maximizing life that day, this gift of life that we've been given. Uh, that in, instead of taking it for granted and just going through the motions, you got to give it ec one extra degree, you know, and the other concept I believe in is like, hey, um, we're not sheep, we're tigers or lions, whatever animal you want to be. That's that's more of a badass than a sheep. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and we only get one shot at this. So so maximize it. Give it one extra degree. Um, find that inner animal in you and live it you know, fully. And I think the most important thing is find your tribe, you know, um, get, get with other people, other like minds that inspire you. And, and I'm a big believer that, yeah, you are the average of, of the five people you surround yourself with. 
Um, yeah. So that's those those are three elements that are really important in my life. Oh, these are these are some lessons. I hope Overcomer <laughs> Nations tune in because we got the extra degree. You know, we got be a tiger, be a lion. Just don't be a sheep. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Keep climbing. Keep climbing. That's really good. Uh, the finding your tribe. Uh, you, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. These are some really good lessons. You know, write this stuff down. Put it put it somewhere where you can see it. Um, you know, I, I'll share one more thing, guys. I, I have this tattoo. I don't know if you could see it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a picture of of a tiger uh, that that has the the French flag in his mouth, and uh, and it's got you know two two ice axes on there, and it and it's it's really a a, a special memory for me. And uh, on the bottom of of the uh, tattoo, it it says in French, "Awaken the tiger," right? And, you know, we all have dreams, but it's like sometimes we don't stay conscious about those dreams. We're not always working towards that dream little by little, like I think we should. And I realized that about myself back in 2016. I had read I had watched this documentary documentary on Joseph Campbell, um, the uh, philosopher, and it was called Finding Joe. And it, and it talks about the whole sheep and tiger concept, right? Well, I woke up in the middle of the night about, I don't know, 1 a.m. And all of a sudden, what I couldn't get out of my mind was my dream. Mm-hmm. And it was my dream is everybody's asked me, like, are you ever going to climb Everest or this mountain or that mountain? I'm like, no, man, I'm my my dream is to go to uh, the French Alps. I want to climb and snowboard in the French Alps. I want to climb Mount Blanc. And, uh, and then I want to be able to party a little bit when I get down. Like, I don't want to go to You want the reward at the end. I want, I want, to, have, I want to have a good time, man. Yeah, I, want right. the, I want the full experience. So I don't, I don't want this to be too rough. Right. Well, right. in the middle of the night, I said, why haven't I went to the, to the Alps? I have every opportunity to go to the Alps right now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what it was, but I got up and I booked a f- flight there and back for three weeks to Chamonix, France, and didn't know where I was going to stay, didn't know exactly what the game plan was. But then I started reaching out to my tribe, uh, my good friend, Matthias Giroux, uh, aka Super Frenchie. If you ever want a crazy guest, you invite Super Frenchie. He's the only guy to ski base off of the Eiger, the Matterhorn, and Mount Blanc, right? Wow. So, he sets me up with a good friend of his to hang out with him for two and a half weeks. And it, that's, that's, again, it was about like, you have to take advantage of those moments um, and, and stay aware of that dream. And, and I was able to do that. And, and, you know, now it's like, when do I get to take my wife there? Because I got to, I got to do that on my own, but now I want to go share the, yeah. the beauty of the French Alps with, with my wife. Yeah. You know? It's almost not real until you get to share it with somebody that you love, you know, and that's really, uh, really awesome. And what would you say to people? They're like, you know, I have a dream and, you know, it's been in my heart for a while, but I mean, you, uh, you just woke up in the middle of the night and booked yourself a ticket. I mean, go ahead. Say, you're yeah. Gonna say it. No. Yeah. I was just going to say that just from everything that you've said, like you were in, um, Connecticut and then you're in Florida and, apparently you're in Colorado right now, but years ago you were there when the the whole climbing thing happened. And 
it just sounds to me like for the majority of your life, if something has called you, you're like, I'm going, I'm good. Instead of being like, you know, I got family here. I got, you know, I just think that from what you've been saying throughout this whole interview, you're pretty spontaneous that you will pack up and just go somewhere, whether it's for months or years, if an opportunity arises and you feel it in your soul. Is that accurate? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would also say, you know, some of that, like I, I mentioned that I felt selfish after that situation on Mount Hood and, and climbing and mountaineering and, and all the time you spend in the mountains can be very selfish uh, time as, as a father, as a husband. And so I, I really, you know, kind of learned how to balance that out. And um, I, you know, I, I didn't always make the greatest decisions because yeah. I am so spontaneous, but I also believe you have to attack life and you yeah. have to, you have to take the opportunity when it's given, as long as it's not going to hurt anybody else. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm, I'm proud of those experiences because, you know, when we go back to overcoming adversity and things like that, it's those experiences that make us stronger. They make us um, more educated and, um, and, you know, I think every single place I've been is I've expanded my network and my family and my connections and, and friendships. So that's always the opportunity there. And, and I even back in Chamonix, you know, I still trade texts with a lot of those people I met back there. And um, it was, you know, it's awesome to have friends that, that all come into one place um, all, from all parts of the of the globe, and and have a connection because of those experiences. So um, that's what gets me excited. But I would say <clears throat> now in my life is sharing those experiences is even more important. And I've always said this: my favorite climbs are the ones where I've taken taken somebody up to the summit for their first time. That's that's the one that really gets me going. And I've always felt that way. And maybe that's the 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 interpersonal trainer in me, but I love, I love celebrating those moments with somebody that's experienced that for the very first time. That's really good. It's really good. And, you know, I mean, you can call it, you know, spontaneity, but Cindy also said, you know, you answer the call when you feel it in your soul. And at the end of our life, uh, you know, it may sound a little cliche, but it's the things that we don't do that we're going to regret the most. If you, I mean, there's books on it, you know, people were asked what they regretted the most and, and it was the things that they didn't do. So, you know, you also seem to have a philosophy about trying to live with, uh, you know, less regrets by answering that call. Well, it, you know, I, I got a good friend that unfortunately passed away in a um, wingsuit accident in Norway. And uh, his name was was Michael Lemming. And usually in my office, you'll see a, a, a picture of Michael. He's jumping out of an air balloon, um, you know, parachuting and so forth. And for, you know, I unfortunately in, in his celebration of life, I, I wrote up a speech called uh, Live Like Lemming. And when you live like Lemming, it's it's exactly that. It's, you know, um, attacking life taking advantage of the opportunities that, that you've been given and not wasting them. Like we don't, we don't want to have any regrets, you know? And uh, if we're able to do things physically, mentally, and emotionally, 
then take full advantage of it if you can, you know, um, if it's the right, you know, and, and sometimes it's not going to be the right time, you yeah. know, but, but at the same time, if it, you know, try to minimize the excuses from doing something that is going to, you know, basically fuel you up for the rest of your life. Like I'll, I'll never, ex, you know, regret that experience that I took advantage of to, to the French Alps. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. It's good. That's really good. Uh, what, what is a wingsuit? Uh, you said live like lemming. He, he, well, um, so wingsuiting is like that next progressive level above, you know, you, you've got parachuting, then you've got base jumping where they're, they're jumping up and throwing a, a shootout. Um, wingsuiting is very similar to that, but the suit that you wear allows you to actually fly mm. uh, for a certain period of time. And there's just, there's some amazing athletes out there doing amazing things, but it's a very dangerous sport. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Michael and I were, were good friends, best of friends for, for 13 years. And when he started doing that, I was like, man, when are you taking it too far? Cause he had had some, you know, he, he didn't always have a successful jump, you know, and was right, able right. to barely escape with his life. And, you know, and it's like, man, I don't want to lose you, you know, and, and eventually, um, unfortunately I, we, we all did. And, you know, the, the whole community and his, his uh, tribe of friends. I mean, we, we still think about him, you know, daily and we connect every time it's his birthday, you know, we're calling one another and reaching out to each other. Um, but the, the live like lemming philosophy was, is it's not to be dangerous. It's just, a, it's just about, you know, living authentically, um, and given it because he was also he wasn't just an adventurer, but he was also just a an unbelievable friend. You yeah. know, like if you're in that hard moment, you're probably going to get a text from Michael Lemming. You know, he's going to check on you. And uh, and he was he was a funny ass guy, too. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad that we got to pay some tribute to him and his life on this show today uh, in the words of a great Scotsman uh, says uh, every man dies, but not every man really lives. I I feel like the message for our audience right now, I was reading a quote one day and the the quote said, uh, so so many of us are asking what the world needs, right? You know, you know, I go be this, should I be this for my family? Should I be this for my community? And the quote said, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Right. So it's about embracing life, you know, and I appreciate what you're sharing as you embrace life, Jared, what's uh, what's your vision that you're climbing towards? Tell us where you're heading so that we can follow you as you go and be inspired by you. You know, what's uh, what's on the roadmap or uh, what's ahead as we look down the road for DECA and other things? Well, you know, I think professionally with DECA, we we want to, you know, we want to live up to that goal. Um, you know, a uh, hundred million lives seems like, okay, that's, that's far out there. If you don't think big, you're not going to get close to it. You know, I'm not one of those guys that's, that's just like progress, not perfection. Right. I believe in progress. Um, but I also believe in perfection. I don't believe that you can obtain it, but I think if you strive for it, you can get closer to it. And I, I think that's where we want to take DECA. We may not ever achieve 100 million lives, 
But if we could chip away at that number and believe in it, then that's going to maximize our, our overall potential um, with, with this brand that is, that I think is having a positive impact on, you know, the, the fitness community in general, personally, um, you know, I got remarried about a, a year and a half ago. And, you know, when you're, um, when you don't have that special person in your life for so many years, um, maybe, maybe you appreciate it more. And, and I think I don't climb the way I used to. Um, I don't, I, I won't dare do some of the things I used to do. And, and I just came back from an ice climbing trip with a good buddy of mine. And it'd been a few years since we were, we were able to, to connect, um, you know, through climbing. I think now it's like, yeah, I still want to have some of those experiences, um, not at quite the same level, but I just, I want to share those experiences, you know, in the outdoors and do things with, with Adina, my wife. Um, my, my daughter moved to Colorado a, a few months back. So we're spending time, you know, snowboarding in the backcountry and doing those things. So it's, it's been cool to see my kids evolve, uh, with my lifestyle too, because it's become a part of theirs, even though it, it didn't have to be, they just seem to enjoy it and, and it's ingrained in them as well. So those, the, that, you know, the more experiences, you know, maybe some trips here and there. There's a lot to explore here in Colorado. We just moved here, you know, in November of 2020. Um, we got a long way to go before uh, <laughs> before we get to a point where we've seen it all. And yes. so um, yeah, a, lot, a lot of 14ers in Colorado. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there sure are. You know, I just got to comment on this uh, because, you know, we're talking about 100 million and and how many people has Spartan engaged so far? I mean, because no small feat so far. Yeah, you know, according to the statistics at Spartan, it's it's over 10 million now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with even with our brand being still being relatively new, now we've expanded into um, we're going to be in China. We're going to be we're already in the Middle East. Um, I just uh, flew back from Spain a couple months ago from their first event. Um, so we're getting interest from all over the globe and Spartans already had that base, you know, like they're, um, they've done a lot of, uh, things across the the planet, um, to, to bring, you know, Spartan and fitness and, and all the cool things that come with it to the world and the world's embraced it. So 10 million sounds like an awesome number, but Joe's, Joe's not satisfied with that. Well, you know, uh, what I was going to comment on one of the things that's, probably one of the most inspirational things in my life. When I look at, uh, we've been to France and, uh, you know, we looked at Notre Dame and somebody had to have the vision for that. Well, other generations completed it. Right. You know, I, I mean, I remember the story of Walt Disney and he was being interviewed when he was near death and, uh, he was asked if he was sad that he wouldn't see space mountain. And he said, well, don't you understand if, if I didn't see it, you never would have. And so he, he had already seen it in his mind and in his heart. And, uh, you know, this hundred million lives and you're already at 10 million, which is, which is a significant <laughs> chunk, you know, I mean, you know, you know, one lap down of a 10 lap race right yeah. there. But if other generations have to complete that vision, those are the kind of visions that we're supposed to have ones that can outlive us and that other people can carry on. So awesome that you're part of that, you know, uh, very good. Yeah. yeah. It's been an honor. And, and I think, you know, I, we have to constantly evolve, right? Mm-hmm. If we want to get to a hundred million, if, if, you know, all of us doing what we do, 
to not to stay relevant for our egos, but in order for us to have an impact, we have to continue to learn and, and evolve with it. And, and I know you both are, are two of those types of people. And, you know, I, I surround myself with people like you because I know it, it pushes me or nudges me even subconsciously. Like I got to learn more today, you know, and I don't want to be the smartest one in the room because if we are as, as a guy from, from uh, Chico State, the Harvard of the West Coast, um, then we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, well, let me ask you, I mean, as we're, you know, kind of winding down, I got two questions. One uh, is a, a very simple one. I want people to know how they can follow you, how they can get coached by you, how they can engage with DECA. But before that, uh, you've given us a lot of lessons today. And Many people that listen to this show enjoy the aspect of hearing about certain people's adversity and, and what they've done to overcome it and uh, just to be inspired. That's Cindy and I's goal with this show. What do you think it takes to be an overcomer? Um, belief in yourself. Um, you, you have to look in the mirror and, and believe. You got to be able to look at yourself in the eyes and it's you know, we're, we're in a situation where everybody feels the lows, you know, like the, the pandemics really had an impact on us from a mental health standpoint. Um, I, I think it's also, <clears throat> it's brought out a lot of good things too. It's created like this acceptance that, hey, this is real, you know? And, but what I want to encourage people is, you know, when, when you wake up in the morning, I think it's got to start with gratitude. You know, we, we have a chance to be here right now. And if we're not in a good place, then you have to recognize what it, what is one thing I can do to get closer to that better place, you know, versus giving up and um, not always easy to do, but I think eventually what we have to do is we have to remember who we are and, and what we're about, what our purpose is. And when we look at each at ourselves in that mirror and look like deep into our eyes, it's, Hey, I got this. Mm -hmm. I, I believe in me. And, um, I think we just can't shortchange ourselves. I, I think we just really have to do whatever it takes to, to believe in what we have on the inside. Yeah, that's so good. And it goes so well with everything that you've shared with us today, because that's really what we're asking people to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror, you know, know your purpose, embrace life, believe in yourself, believe in the power that's within you. Keep climbing. <laughs> Go climbing. the extra degree, right? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Well, hey, how can uh, how can people follow you? How can they engage with DECA? How can they get coached by you if they're interested in a mastermind, which you uh, you and I appreciate that you're the average of the five people you spend most time with. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's go. Uh, easiest, uh, probably on Instagram. If you, uh, My mom wasn't a good speller of uh, out there, so she spelled my name a little bit off from what most people uh, use for Jared. So it's J-A-R-O-D underscore Cogswell. And, um, and then secondly, uh, to learn more about DECA, it's, it's just simply DECA.fit, D-E-K-A dot fit. And, um, you know, we, uh, we're just trying to do whatever we can to positively impact the world through DECA. And, and I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of it. Guys, I'm, I'm honored to be on here with you, you know, to be asked to be a, a guest on your show and, and the cause and purpose of it uh, means a lot. 
thank you. Thank you. You've been an awesome guest and thank you for sharing so generously and vulnerably with our audience. You've been awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.